So, <clears throat> some of the concepts and objectives of this lesson. Um, concept. Effective personal ministry seeks to be part of what the Lord is doing in the lives of others by modeling the way he has worked in us. So we want to think through, you know, how is God sanctifying me? Uh, how does God walk through life with me? And we want to model Christ in doing that same thing, walking through life uh, with other, other people. To personalize it, um, the statement, I must examine the way I seek to stimulate change in others around me. Are the things I do consistent with the example of the wonderful counselor? When people think, or when I think through how I deal with people, how I deal with uh, my children, how I deal with my neighbors, my coworkers, uh, how I deal with my church family, am I following the example of the wonderful counselor? Am I following the example of the spirit, or am I walking in the flesh? Uh, am I getting frustrated when I don't see change at the rate I think it should be? In relations to others, I must think redemptively about my relationships. That is, I always look for the opportunities he has given me to be a part of his work of change. So as I think through my relationships, uh, am I thinking about what are the things that I get out of those things, uh, out of those relationships? How does this relationship benefit me? Or do I think through the fact that Christ has brought this relationship in my life and maybe he has an agenda, maybe he has a goal in building this relationship? Have you ever known that a friend needed to change, but you simply did not know how to help? Have you ever tried to help and felt like you were making things worse? Have you ever felt like you wanted to help someone, but it seemed as though you were in over your head? When our culture thinks about helping a person change, it, is, it usually thinks in formal and professional terms. If you accept that model, you will probably conclude one of two things. First, that the Bible doesn't say much about how to help change a person. Secondly, that the average Christian has no business trying to help someone change. Many Christians have bought into the cultural model and as a result have become passive and uninvolved in the needs that surround them. It is not that they don't care. It's that they don't know what to do. And if they did, they don't think they should do it. If you want to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 5 and 14. We are called to be ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5 and 14 through 21. I'm reading out of the ESV. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. 
And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Scripture gives us a very different model. First, it calls us to function as Christ's ambassadors. An ambassador is a representative. This is exactly what we are called to be in all of our relationships. We are placed in these relationships not only so that our lives would be happy and satisfying, but more importantly, so that we would represent the Lord as he is working change in other people's lives. The work of an ambassador includes three important points of focus. As an ambassador, I will, one, represent the message of the king. An ambassador is always asking, what does my Lord want to communicate to this person in this situation? As an ambassador, I will represent the methods of the king. This is the how of the ambassadorial calling. How does the Lord work change in our lives? What are his methods? I want to work as he has worked. As an ambassador, I will represent the character of the king. Here I am focusing on the why the Lord does what he does. I want to faithfully represent his attitudes. Happily, the second thing that Scripture does is to liberally display the work of the king for us. As we read the Bible, we hear his message over and over again. Matthew 5, 7, Luke 1 through 18. As we read the Bible, we are confronted with his methods again and again. Those are to be found in scriptures like Luke 9, 18 through 27, 10, 25 through 37, John 3, 1 through 21, 4, 1 through 26. And the pages of scriptures are filled with the beauty of his character. Scriptures such as Ephesians 4, 29 through 5 and 2. Philippians 2, 1 through 12. 
1 Peter 2 and 23. These three things define how we can be useful instruments in the hand of Christ, our model and our king. We accept our calling as ambassadors and faithfully seek to represent his message, methods, and character wherever and with whomever he has placed us. This illustration is meant to capture what it means to function as one of Christ's ambassadors of change in someone's life. We'll walk through the illustration together. First, you will notice on the left side of the diagram are the words negative fruit. This pictures the problems that get us involved in personal ministry. God opens our eyes to a harvest of bad fruits, fruit in a person's life. It may be a broken relationship. It may be anger, fear, or discouragement. It may be an act of gossip or vengeance. God allows us to see someone thinking, behaving, or responding in a wrong way. Or perhaps a struggling person reveals these things to us and asks for our help. However it happens, we are exposed to a harvest of bad fruit in someone's life. On the right side of the diagram, you see the words positive fruit. This is our goal. Our purpose is to be used of God to produce a harvest of good fruit in the person's life. Even though he or she may remain in the exact same situation with the exact same people. The bandage at the top middle of the diagram summarizes the goal most people have when they seek help. Yes, they want to see things change, but they seldom have their own hearts in view. They basically have an externalistic view of change. They want a change in their circumstances, a change in another person, or a change in their emotions. They think that if things would change, they would be much better. But the result, as the illustration shows, is seldom more than temporary and superficial change. It's true that there are often elements in a situation that need to be changed, but we cannot stop there. Our goal is to lead people, people to a deeper, fuller view of change. This is why the heart with the arrows pointing to it is at the bottom of the diagram. We believe that lasting change always takes place through the pathway of the heart. The heart is the target. The heart is the goal. That's something that we've been talking about throughout this whole thing. That's, the, that's our goal. That's our target. Not just the external sh- uh, things. What's going on in the heart? We finally come to the four circles with the heading, being an instrument. The four words in the circle, love, know, speak, do, describe God's way of change. This is our model for for functioning as an instrument of real heart change in a person's life. This model takes seriously our need for heart change and our need to follow the example of Christ. As you look at the diagram, don't think that you are learning a four-step process. 
The four circles represent aspects of a personal ministry relationship. Four ways to get involved in someone's life. As God gives you ministry opportunities, you will be doing all four things simultaneously. Let's look at each element separately. First, you have love. The love function points out the importance of relationship to the process of change. You could argue biblically that change always takes place in the context of a relationship. Theologians call this a covenantal model of change. God comes and makes a covenant with us. He commits himself to being our God, and he takes us as his people. In the context of that relationship, he accomplishes his work of radically changing us. As we understand the work of God in our own lives, we realize that our relationship to him is not a luxury. It is a necessity. It provides the only context in which the lifelong process of change can take place in us. In the same way, we are called to build strong and godly relationships with one another. God's purpose for these relationships is that they would be work rooms for him. It is important, therefore, that we learn how to build relationships in which his work of change can thrive. As you're going through the book, in the love section, there's, there's two sections. One um, talks about relationships, and the other one has this idea of change. In relationship, in the theme of relationships, uh, the concept that it focuses on is that change takes place in the context of relationship. Can you really see a change in someone outside of the relationship that you have with them. It asks the question, are you building relationships in which God's work can thrive? Those people at your job, uh, those, your family members that you, you see uh, often, your neighbors, are you building relationships not based on um, just your own personal characteristics and the things that you have together, but are you strategically building relationships where God can accomplish his work through you in the context of that relationship. In the section on suffering, the concept there is God ordains for us to suffer so that we will be qualified agents of his comfort and compassion. It asks the question, are you building relationships in which acceptance and a call to to change are woven together? Uh, we deal with people, um, people deal with us, uh, um, and we sense uh, things about each other that need to change. We accept people for who they are, but we have to weave that in with the need to change, the need, the desire for you to become more, for a person to become more like Christ. Do we have any questions so far? Yes, sir. Right. Yeah, I, we can't accomplish any type of change or we can't be any agents of change outside of the power of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit. We can't do anything in the Bible outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. So absolutely, the Holy Spirit has a lot to do with this. 
Anything else? The next theme is no. No has to do with really getting acquainted with the people around us. Many of the people we think we know, we really don't know. We know facts about them, who their spouse is, where they work, some likes and dislikes, who their children are, etc. But we really don't know the person inside the skin. Our relationships are often trapped in the casual, and because of this, opportunities to minister effectively are limited. Knowing a person means knowing the heart. When I say I'm getting to know you better, I'm not, a gain, I'm not gaining a more intimate understanding of your nose or arm. We talked about that. I mean that I know more about your beliefs and goals, your hopes and dreams, your values, your desires. If I know you, I will be able to predict what you will think and how you will feel in a given situation. A friendship is really the connection of hearts. Christ was so committed to an accurate knowledge of our hearts that he entered our world and lived here for 33 years. He faced everything we faced and so so that we could come to know him we could come to know him knowing that he understands our struggles. Hebrews 4 and 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So the no function gets us below the surface of the casual. It teaches us how to gather the information necessary to know a person on the level of his heart. And as we get to know the person, we help him to know himself more accurately and clearly. In the no section of the book, there are two things that you would deal with. Uh, the first is asking good questions, and the second is thinking about facts biblically. Asking good questions deal with the concept, insightful people are not people with the right answers, but the ones who ask the right questions. We cannot arrive at the right answers without the right questions. It asks you the question, as you minister to others, do you ask good biblical questions or is your ministry weakened by assumptions? In the part on thinking about biblically, you deal with the concept of personal ministry is not shaped by the facts you gather, but by the way you interpret those facts. It asks the question, in personal ministry, 
Do you take the time to organize information in a way that helps you to interpret it biblically? Anyone have anything to say about that no section? Any questions about that? We move on to speak. Speak involves bringing God's truth to bear on the person in this situation. To do this, we need to ask, what does God want this person to see that she doesn't now see? How can I help her see it? The Gospels are full of brilliant examples of the way Christ helped people to see the truth. Through stories and questions, he broke through their spiritual blindness and helped them see who they were and the glory of what he could do for them. Speaking the truth in love does not mean making grand pronouncements. Rather, it means helping a person see his or her life clearly. For lasting change to take place, a person must see herself accurately in the mirror of God's Word. It is also vital that people accurately see God and the resources for change that He has provided to us in Christ. In the speak portion of the book, it deals with the things, the gospel is the root, and the steps of confrontation. In the section that the gospel, uh, of the gospel is the root, we deal with the concept, as we speak truth to people, we must not only bring the law to them, but the gospel as well. It asks you the question, is the gospel central when you speak the truth to someone? I don't know about you guys, but being a very legalistically bent person, uh, I, this is something that I struggle with. Um, Jennifer, was, we were talking this morning, and she was uh, telling me about uh, a pain that she had. And so, and we talked about this before, but the, my mind automatically goes to, okay, what did you do? <laughs> what did you do to cause this pain? How can you avoid this in the future? Uh, when I'm dealing with the kids, I want them to just do right. Uh, I don't want to have to, I want to be able to tell you something one time and you two in the power of the Holy Spirit do it for the rest of your life. But life isn't like that, is it? We must not only bring the law. (laughs) We must bring grace. We must talk about the gospel. In the section uh, that deals with the steps of confrontation, we find that those steps are consideration, confession, commitment, and change. It asks you the question, what does it look like to confront someone biblically? Do we have any questions or anybody want to say anything about the speak section? So, I was going to mention this. uh, You have those four steps, and you have a good 30-minute section talking about those. And again, what I want to do there is just kind of whet your appetite in that um, and try to really push you to kind of read through those books because we really don't have enough time to just kind of breeze through all of that. But 
like I said, I was just mentioning those steps. Though you, you'll find those four steps in, this, in that section. Those steps, consideration, confession, commitment, and change. Any more questions? In the do section, finally, we must help the person to do something with what they learned. To apply the insights God has given to his or her daily life and relationships. Insight alone is not change. It is only the beginning of change. The insight God gives us about who we are, who God is, what He has provided for us, and what He has called us to do must be applied to the practical, specific realities of life. Christ calls us not just to be hearers of his word, but also to be active doers of it as well. As Christ's ambassador, we are called to help others respond in personal ways to his calling. Something further needs to be said about the love, know, speak, do model of personal ministry. It is not only an aspect of the formal ministry of the local church, but a lifestyle to which God has called each of us. God has called us to be the life-changing instruments of grace in each situation and in every relationship. This lifestyle will work in the formal counseling office as well as in informal conversations with a struggling Christian friend. This model can be easily adapted to whatever opportunities God gives you to function as one of his instruments of change. In the breakdown sections of uh, the do, it deals with the themes biblical change and identity in Christ. In the biblical change section, we deal with the concept to help a person change, we must have a biblical sense of direction agenda that reflects God's commandments, principles, promises, and priorities. It asks us the question, do you minister to others with a clear sense of biblical direction and help them clarify their responsibilities before God? In Identity with Christ, we deal with the concept, every believer needs to understand his union with Christ. It asks you the question, do you help others, do you help others bear the burden of change by providing biblical accountability and affirming their identity in Christ? Anyone have any thoughts on those five, on those five pieces? So the big question that we ask today, right now, where has God positioned you to be one of his instruments of change? We've talked over and over about the fact that our relationships aren't simply normal relationships. They are opportunities for God to bear his kingdom on our lives and in the lives of our neighbors and friends. 
So where has God positioned you to be one of his instruments of change? So to look at the concept, the CPR section, it's concepts, how it's personalized and related to others. We talked about that at the beginning. Concept. God calls us to be ambassadors, representing his message, method, and character. We found that in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. Ambassadors get from negative fruit to positive fruit, not by fixing problems externally, but by heart change. The love, know, speak, do model follows Christ's example of how to do this. So let's personalize those things. Ask yourself, in all of my relationships, I must remember that I am Christ's ambassador. You're not going to necessarily ask yourself that, but you're going to tell yourself that. In all of my relationships, I must remember that I am Christ's ambassador. I must examine my goals for my relationships. Am I solely motivated by my own personal happiness? Do I respond to others with a desire to encourage God's work of change in their hearts? Finally, I must examine my commitment to the message, methods, and character of the king. So how do we relate this to others? I must learn to look at all of my relationships redemptively, keeping an eye out for God-given moments of ministry. It is important to use the love, know, speak, do model as a way to examine the quality of relationships that God has given me. In my relationships, I must always remember that I am called to be God's instrument. God alone changes people. We don't change people. God alone changes people. We are his instruments. So let's keep it real. What are some reasons why external change is appealing to us as human beings? Why does God seek heart change? And this is a question, question for you guys. What are some of the reasons why external change is appealing to us as human beings? And why does God seek heart change? External changes are quick, easy, and lazy. All right. Any other thoughts about that? 
what are some of the reasons why external change is appealing to us as human beings? Mm-hmm. External change benefits you. How has God dealt with you according to the love, know, speak, do model? How have others done love, know, speak, do with you? Is this something that you've seen in your life? Either God using that or you've seen it model in other people? It's a question again for you. Do we see love, no, speak, do in the Bible? Do we see Christ demonstrating that? <laughs> it's a question for you guys. <laughs> you need some of my coffee. What, what's that? I, I hope you understand it at surface level. I just spent a little time. <laughs> I see it as um, a person's um, attempt to um, kind of explain and walk through the steps that um, the Spirit uses to change us as individuals. Um, I think you do see the examples of what we said in the Bible, what we've uh, gone over. Um, and I've seen people walk that out, um, getting to know each other uh, before we kind of dive into each other's lives and uh, are able to speak into each other's lives and uh, critique or uh, sharpen one another. <laughs> So what I want you to do is reflect on two or three people or two or three relationships in your life. Ask yourself, where are they weak? Where are they strong? Have you been functioning as an ambassador in these relationships? And as you think through those things, pray that God would use these truths to shape the way you serve in these relationships. So last week I told you guys that we would have a sign-up on Realm if you were interested in continuing the study. Um, I was asked to do a final section, so um, I want to go ahead and get this finished before we put that on Realm. So if you are interested, um, it is a really good study. It will go in deeper to uh, the No Love, Speak, Do model of ministry uh, we would go over those concepts and those steps that uh, I just kind of uh, talked about throughout this meeting. And we would be able to kind of sharpen each other on using this model and helping, helping people change, helping to see change come about 
in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. Have any other questions or any other statements before we close today? Let's pray. Father, thank you again for uh, this opportunity uh, to set our minds uh, on being your ambassadors in relationships, in our families, at our jobs, in this church, um, setting our minds on the fact that no relationship, situation, conversation is just a normal situation, but an opportunity that you have divinely orchestrated to bear your kingdom and your words and your will to sow your spirit in the minds, in the hearts, and in the lives of other people. Again, give us strength, courage, and wisdom to use the tools that you have provided to us. Grant us the strength in your spirit to do these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.